This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Welcome back to our show, Culture, But Not Really. I'm your host, Brian Edwards. And I'm your other host, Stephen Trigar. Today's going to be kind of a fun episode because it's very current. <laughs> you say with crazy eyes. I prefer to look at it like gusto. <laughs> I mean, when you enjoy this piece of culture, you're often going crazy. Well, you got to get good, as the kids say. Um, but what makes this episode different than our normal episodes of... Well, my normal episodes, because I don't think you've done any that are this specialized. Um, but I don't want to talk about the company as much as I want to talk about just the specific games that this company has made. But not even all of the games that this company has made. Right. Do you know anything about the company that made these... these uh? Uh, the Soulsborne games. As for those that don't know, this is the episode on the Soulsborne games, which I'll go into more detail about what those what that means. Um, I just know that the company's name is From Software, and that's it. Which is, to me, the wildest name of a video game developer, because it's very hard to be like this. You know, the game from From Software. <laughs> it's just grammatically a nightmare, and it's from From Software. It's from 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 software. It's from 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 software. <laughs> it's also one word that you've just mashed from software into a single word. Right. So when you look it up, it's not from space software. It's from software. Grammat- grammatically, I'm just. Yeah. It hurts to look at. Um, much like the feeling of playing their games. Yeah. Um, I have often watched. These games being played. So, for those that don't know what these games are, they are the Soulsborne games refer to specifically in From Software's catalog of games the Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and most recently Elden Ring. Elden Ring! Elden Ring! Which is amazing, and go play it. Go play all of them. But only if you want to also hate yourself at the same time. <laughs> um, That's pretty bit. much every one of these games. Yeah. 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 Um, so From Software has actually been in business since November 1st of 19, uh, 1986, um, which is a whole eight years before they put out their first video game. Hmm. Because they started out as a productivity software developer, making like... Well, that makes sense with their name. Yeah, but like it's just weird they went from making like spreadsheet softwares and and those kinds of programs to making the hardest video games <laughs> in existence. You know what would really start to get our business rolling if we made the hardest video games well, known to man. Even that, like the first the first game they ever put out, which was in 1994, year I was born. 
year after I was born was the PS1 launch title Kingsfield. Kingsfield. Which I to get myself ready because I knew the game existed, but I'd never like taken a look at it. I watched some gameplay of it and talk about aging badly. <laughs> Video games often age badly from that long ago. Right. Except for the, the few occasions where like they just have a sort of like nostalgia to them. Like Mario. <clears throat> Mario has aged very well from the original Mario games because the gameplay hasn't changed. Right. The only thing that's really changed is the, the style and the look of it and maybe adding some additional features, but the, the base gameplay has always stayed the same. Yeah. Kingsfield was... It's basically played as a first-person action adventure, but with none of the love that any games after it would have gotten. Hmm. So it was soulless. Get out right now. (laughs) It's the end of you and me. It's too late. (laughs) Uh, I did it. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um. But the game just looks, it looks bad, it plays bad, and it's, again, for, it's the first company's release that was a, outside of what they were originally intending to do as a developer, and so I think, I think it's a, and in the day and age it came out, it was not bad, but. Oh, it looks ugly. Yeah, and I wasn't lying, that everything about it has aged badly, it's just the graphics are pretty much non-existent the enemy design is oh. weak and, and, and basic the gameplay is is rough apparently i'm done looking at that yeah apparently the way you you like the it came out for the ps1 originally for the ps1 right and anyone that knows about the ps1 controller the first ps1 controller is it didn't have the traditional analog sticks that we have today, the the joystick rotating right. sticks. So instead of the the traditional first person view of using the left stick to move and the right stick to move the camera, which is usually how you would use them in in tandem right. to help you navigate the world, the instead of strafing, which has become pretty useful as a gameplay mechanic in the modern day. Instead of strafing with like the directional buttons, you strafe with the bumper buttons, which is not that alone has aged well. And then to look up and down are the second set of bumper buttons in the back. Mm. So the R1, R2 are the strafe right and and look down. Mm. And the L1 and L2 are the strafe left and look up. Oh. Which... Which again, that makes sense because the, they only had the directional pad buttons, the D pad, the right. four button direction moving. So those were your go forward, go backward, go left, and go right. They didn't have any other buttons to right. do the other things they needed to do. And so just that alone makes that game alien to many players of traditional games. And I've seen, I saw someone do like a, a quick review of the whole game. And funny enough, there is a lot of it, the the new Soulsborne games pull a lot from like the the it's not not just not the aesthetic, but like the the 
vibe and like the I saw the player relate a lot of the like exploration stuff that carries through and I, I bring this game up because it is considered the spiritual predecessor to the first of the Soulsborne games, Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. So when they were making that game, they looked to that series because it apparently had four installments in the Kingsfield series. Yeah, when I was looking it up, I saw at least two. And which just is wild to me because I had never heard of it. And apparently, I think the second field, Kingsfield, is considered the first one in America. Because that was back in the time before the games from Japan were like immediately shipped over to the West. Where a lot more internal, like inside the country distribution was, was left. I talked about this in our Final Fantasy episode. The games don't always come over to the West. So instead of the second one being released in Japan, the instead of being called Kingsfield 2 in America, when we never got the first one, they would just rename it to make it easier for us to understand that it was the first one in America. Right. Um, but even that, it took from software 15 years after their first Kingsfield game to make what would be considered the first of the souls games specifically because mm-hmm. the souls born is the all encompassing of all of these styled games that have very similar gameplay and mechanics and themes, right? But the souls game cons- are, are four basic uh, games in that whole, because there's seven games total at this point. Okay. So four of them are considered the souls games. The easiest way to know about to remember that is if they have the name Souls in the title, they're a Souls game. But the Souls games themselves were created by Hidetaka Miyazaki. Not to be confused with Hayao Miyazaki. They're not the same person. It's just the same last name. Moving on. Let's go. Uh-huh. But Hidetaka would go on to direct uh, pretty much all of the Soulsborne games in some capacity. Whether he was a supervisor or the direct director. Um, and... Literally every one of these games has received critical acclaim and have won several awards. So this man has not had a flop yet. At least yet. not universally. Like there are like the snobs inside the community that are like, well, actually that game was trash. But from the critic side of things and from right. the general reception of things, he has basically done no wrong. And what makes these games what they are are kind of the same in terms of like what you could classify a Soulsborne game as. They usually have high like high intensity combat with like like very frame perfect mechanics. So like dodging is a big component. Parrying attacks is usually a big component. Um, being patient, which is a weird thing to think about with a video yeah. game, but the these these games are all known for having these epic boss fights. That's like their big staple is these massive fights with these terrifying enemies that will easily, usually the first time you play each one of them will destroy you epically and without any remorse. Yeah. Um they the games always have see these hardcore difficulty spikes. They have this ruthless death and respawn me- mechanic that makes them kind of a huge turnoff for a lot of people. 
the early games used to have a lot less checkpoints and they're even more frustrating when you have to manually activate each checkpoint yeah because that alone can get like you can get ju- like all the way to seeing the checkpoint and then die and you have to restart from the last checkpoints a big thing that i like about it in in a weird way is the very minimal direct storytelling it does instead it does most of the storytelling through environmental design and level design but also through the item descriptions of, of things you find through your gameplay right most of them have like some stat based level system that makes them kind of you know a much more thoughtful game than you think it would have to be because you have to be you have to plan out what your character is going to be bef- sort of before you even play it right um, and each game always has online multiplayer that kind of both encourages both competitive and cooperative play to some degree. Right. But what makes them even more unique as an online game is until the recent games, most of the time when you were playing online, you were playing with strangers. You probably didn't know them. You've probably wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be able to link up with the people that you wanted to actually play with. Cause that's not what the game is meant for. Right. And they made a very cautious, cautious decision when they were making these games to, not allow you to have any direct communication with the people that you co-opt with. Right. It was one-on-one duels with players or if it was having a summoned player to help you with a, a boss. They The only way you can communicate to the other players is through gestures. Right. And that was completely literal and direct and, 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 and I think kind of interesting of an approach because it, it allows you not to have people just screaming obscenities at, at you for doing bad or right. being a troll and being kind of... I mean, they can still troll you, but they're not able to, like, annoy you verbally yeah, be offensive verbally. They wanted to kind of eliminate that. Because this game can be very... Ra- these games can be very rage-inducing. Oh, yeah. And I think if they added that on top of it all, it would have just turned off more people. Right. I mean, I know personally, I'm a huge, whatever the opposite of a fan is of those like online shoot 'em up games, like the Calls of Duties and those Fortnites. And yeah, I can't stand those games because of the people that are on the other end of those microphones. Yeah. No thanks. I I would rather have eight thousand sticks in each eye and <laughs> sit down and play one of those games. And no one will be ever be able to convince me differently. Um, anyway. But the thing that's also cool is the games include an ability to leave messages for one another. And that kind of, again, can be both a helpful and sometimes a trolling aspect of the game. But it becomes part of the charm is the people that will leave a message at the edge of a cliff saying there's an item ahead. And then you see all of the bloodstains, which are the markers of other players have died in that area and it almost gets this little like humorous response because someone got tricked and then more people got tricked off that one person right and it it creates kind of like a camaraderie of of sorts within the community and that's what this game series collection has going for it most of all is the community of, of fans of the genre of games are probably the most 
well bonded over any game series because there's no no one's perfect at these games I mean there are a few people that are like near perfect but like it's more often than not like everyone especially when every new game comes out there's no one that's like immediately good at the game and usually the people that get nearly perfect on these games have spent too much time playing them right but the community that it created is so much more beyond any other community I've seen like I'm a huge fan of the Final Fantasy games and that community is ruthless to one another which is which is sad and it seems completely against what the games are right you think that the games should be uniting everyone and even like games like my favorite game series of all time Kingdom Hearts the fandom is wildly divisive Again, why? It's so... Well, the thing is, a lot of people have opinions about how the game should be. And that doesn't usually seem to happen too much with Dar- the, the Soulsborne's games. Because... They're already too difficult enough. Right. Like, there's... The things that people have their problems with are easily swept away with, like, well, you should just get better at the game. Which is seen sometimes as, a, as an insult to some people. That whole get good I joked about has gotten some people kind of up in arms about like that it's not an appropriate thing to respond to someone with but it's not meant to be like malicious it's just meant to be like it's it's meant to try to take away the ownership of the blaming the game for your shortcomings right is usually what people end up doing for those kinds of games because clearly other people have gotten through the thing that you're stuck on so it's not the game's fault it's your fault. Take ownership of that. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about these games more, a little bit more in depth. I'm not going to go into each game super, super deep, but I want to talk about them. But I think first we should probably take a little bit of a break. Be right back. Back. So what I wanted to do real quick is to go through each game. <laughs> so weird. Yes, yes you are. So what I wanted to do is go through each game kind of quickly because I want to talk about like, I want to do a little more talking about them as a whole and your opinion on some of the stuff you've seen yeah. as a viewer. viewer and fan of the like overarching idea of the games but have never actually played them yourselves yeah um and i also want to just do a quick like little premise of each one like a basically what i could get is the most pared down story from wikipedia right um so the first game in our collection of games is demon souls which came out in 2009 and demon <laughs> souls is set in bulletaria a kingdom consumed by a dark being called the old one Following its release to the use of forbidden soul arts, players take on the role of a hero brought to Boletaria to kill its fallen king, Alant, and pacify the Old One, all while putting a stop to the demon scourge that plagues the land. And the gameplay has players navigating five different worlds from a hub world called the Nexus. Hmm. And that's the game that basically created the, the rules for what the other games would follow suit with um right it plays a lot like the other ones except it's a little bit clunkier 
because well, it's the oldest. The first one, yeah. But if you don't want to go starting from the first one all the way back in 2009, and you're lucky enough to be one of the 10 people that have gotten a, P- a PlayStation 5, <laughs> then, yeah. uh, then you can play the remake. The remake came out uh, in uh, two years ago at this point. Okay. Um, it was made by a studio called Blue Point Studios, uh, and it was a, such a successful game when they did the remake because it's a remake it's not a remaster it's a remake right that sony interactive entertainment bought the studio and acquired it last year and then greenlit the studio to work on its own ip which is a big deal because this studio has literally only done except for one game that came out like in the mid 2000s has basically only done remasters and remakes of other games Hmm. and they have done a good job at it. They did the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection for the PS4. PS4. They had done mm. the Shadow of Colossus remake for the PS4. Um, they did the God of War remastered collection for the PS3. Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool that the studio <clears throat> did such a good job remaking and remastering other games that Sony was like, it's your time to shine, guys. <laughs> good luck. Like... Yeah, you don't usually see that with a lot of these uh, these these developers because all they're they're supposed to be good at is just taking other people's assets, giving them a nice spit spit shine, and putting them onto another system with better hardware. Fingers crossed it doesn't backfire yeah. on anybody. I mean that's a big that's the big payoff is they have basically it's their shot to make a great game that's all their own, but if they fuck it up, it probably will just end up going back. To- that's it. Going back to make because they're really good at making these these remakes. Like they each one has been like hailed as being really amazing. Demon Souls, the the new one is beautiful. It's it's so much more gorgeous than at, at least up until this point of any of the other Souls like games. Right. Um. So again, go. You should. I would recommend at least maybe if you're interested in any of this, if this is your episode that you've been like, yeah, this is actually stuff that I've wanted to get into and I've never gotten into it. Maybe not start playing them right away, but like maybe go watch a couple videos. There's a yeah. YouTuber named Vati Vidya who does like lore videos and all these games. And they're very interesting. The stories alone are very cool. If you, yeah. if you like dark fantasy, if you like gothic horror fantasy, this stuff is probably like top tier in what the stories are about and the way that they treat the characters because everything is so minimal in how you receive the information it makes it feel more discovered like you're almost discovering uh like ancient stories and myths right it's much cooler than a traditional storytelling method um but then on to our next game is the first of the dark souls games which came out in 2011, it was, ironically, for only being two years after the first of these Souls games, is, a, is considered a spiritual successor to Demon Souls, mostly because <clears throat> it wanted to be independent from the Soul, the Demon Souls brand, but it was still a Souls game. Right. Um, and it takes place in the Kingdom of Lordran, where players assume the role of a cursed undead character who begins a pilgrimage to discover the fate of their kind. Which is kind of as general as I could get it without going into immense plot details. Right. Um, and you, you literally can talk for days. 
about. Well, no, like anybody, anybody can talk for days about. <laughs> I was about, about to be like, are you shaming me on my own? No, episode? anybody can talk for days about well, this. Well, the stories are all like hard to pare down. So I tried my best to keep them sort of short and succinct. Um, but this series has spawned two sequels, which the next one was Dark Souls 2, which came out in 2014. Um, and although this is set in the same universe of the first Dark Souls, the stories have no connection. At least nothing like there are like speculations. And again, most of this stuff doesn't come to you. So people have theorized. Right. But for the most part, the there's no direct connection between the first game and the second game. Um, and the story of Dark Souls 2 begins with a human who has become undead, cursed to never die, and doomed to eventually become a hollow, which are a zombie-like being with no memories or purpose. And the protagonist is known as the bearer of the curse. And to break this curse, the undead travels to the fallen kingdom of Drang Lake and is tasked by the Emerald Herald who is with obtaining four great souls from powerful old ones whose names are long forgotten and forbidden. Hmm. Which kind of is also similar to the first game's story. But the biggest thing with the, these games is the kind of the... There were mechanics that were introduced that that were more on par with like Demon Souls and its mechanics with like one of the biggest ones being where if you die, then you have a permanent health loss. Like yeah. your health gets cut in half for until you regain your humanity, which is a big feature of these games is the, the idea of humanity being a physical thing that you have to gain. Right. Um, and so that was the biggest like difference in terms of like, but the story wise is it's different in what it's messaging is. And the main bad guy is a lot more sinister than the other dark souls games. Hmm. But the, game itself is considered not the strongest of the dark souls or of any of these games it's kind of looked off often as like the black sheep but they're all good but this one's considered kind of the like the outsider eh, they tried some stuff and no one was super receptive to it uh, right and uh moving on uh the next game i want to talk about is bloodborne i'm doing these in chronological order if you're curious yeah uh, so bloodborne is the next game that came out in 2015 and Bloodborne uh, follows the player's the player character, uh, who is a hunter through the decrepit Gothic Victorian era inspired city of Yarnum, whose inhabitants are all infected with a bloodborne disease. And attempting to find the source of the plague, the player's un- the player character unravels the city's mysteries while fighting beasts and cosmic beings. Hmm. This one, for those who are fans of Gothic horror, is Lovecraftian inspired. Mm. with a sprinkle of Bram Stoker for a good measure. There we go. Uh, the biggest thing with this game that introduced is the, besides the, the story setting being totally different from the dark fantasy of the like dark medieval fantasy of the Dark Souls games, is more of an emphasis on, on staggering your opponents with the combat instead of trying to dodge and look for an opening. Right, because this game is the ha, allowed you to equip a secondary weapon that was a firearm, and that was like the added like bit of combat difference to make it stand alone was this right. mechanic, which seems like a small mechanic if you have no idea what I'm talking about. But for fans of the series, it made it its own thing. 
And this game is only available on PlayStation 4 as of right now, I believe. So if you want to play it, get a PS4. It's really cool and hella spooky. Spooky. But it's also probably my favorite story-wise. It's a lot more like weird to it. That checks out. And I like that stuff. <laughs> that checks out. You're definitely more of that person, whereas I would be more of the lore of something like what we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so the next game is Dark Souls 3. came out in 2000, uh, 2016. It is the final game of the Dark Souls trilogy. And story-wise, it's actually more akin to the sequel to the first game than the second game is. Mm. Uh, it's set in the kingdom of Lothric, and a bell has rung to signal the first flame. Uh, responsible for maintaining the age of fire that is dying out. And as it happened many times before, the coming of the age of dark produces the undead cursed beings that will rise after death. The age of fire can be prolonged the linking of the fire, a ritual in which the great lords and heroes sacrifice their soul to rekindle the first flame. However, Prince Lothric, the chosen linker for this age, abandoned his duty and watched the flame die from afar. The Ashen One, an undead who failed to become a Lord of Cinder and thus called an in- unkindled, rises and must link the fire by returning Prince Lothric and the other defiant Lords of Cinder to their thrones in Firelink Shrine. Hmm. Which kind of handles the first game's plot more directly and expands on it because the whole series involves, in some form, linking of the fire. Right. I mean, even the gameplay mechanic is the, the checkpoint system in these games are bonfires. And the lore has suggested that each of these bonfires is part of one universal idea of the fire right. that has basically created the world and has given life to everything, has given the warmth and the the souls to all the living creatures is this this physical fire that is a more mystical idea of a fire than just it being literal fire. Right. But it's similar to like the idea of fire being given from the heavens to man. Right. Um, but the whole idea is that they're the characters in these games refuse to let the fire die because they're worried that if they let the fire die, then existence will end. Mm. But the game also plays with the idea because all these games have multiple endings that you actually get to decide if the fire should live or should die. And there's no right answer. There's no correct way to do it. But the idea is that if you let the fire die, it's not that the world will end. It's just that a new age will happen. And a lot of times people are thinking like, if you let the fire die, you let something new happen. Right. Which, you know, lets you kind of figure out, is it worth keeping the world alive, even though it's been going for too long? And in this game, it, it proves that, you should probably let it die more than you should let it keep going because it literally shows you the world twisting and getting more and more dead because no one will let the basically nothing will is ever laid to rest. Right. So it just keeps going, which means it's like getting exhausted. Right. And so it kind of is one of the things that makes the games cool is the environmental design and the level design makes you feel like the universe is a character. And I've talked about this and stuff on our own. One of my favorite things is when media allows you to feel like the universe that the characters are in are its own character. 
Right. That's some good storytelling, in my opinion. Um, so, again, these games don't have direct links to each other. So if you wanted to start with any of them, there's not like you have to play the first one to know the second one to know the third one. Mm-hmm. So go for it. Play these games. Do it. The second to last game I want to talk about directly is probably the most outlandish of all of the <laughs> games that fall under this category. And it's Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which I had only played a little bit of and only played a little bit of it recently because I had never played it because I had been told how difficult it was compared to even the other difficult games of these games. And I was not sure I wanted that that commitment to try to play it. Um, But it is the first of the games to break a lot of the traditions and included things like jumping jumping which is not that you couldn't jump in the other games but it was really bad and broken and not fun to do they basically you'd have to like sprint and then press the sprinting button as you were sprinting to jump Mm. which felt kind of awkward to do and also wasn't didn't have a lot of control and wasn't meant to be used so easily they just made it a button and you could jump freely easily and in addition to that they also gave you a grappling hook which made traversal around the environment a lot easier, which was different from any game. Normally it was a lot of walking or, or running around the, the map kind of on a leisurely pace. Right. Um, also, big thing is it also allowed you to swim. Ooh. It was swimming in this game, which again, never happened before, which is weird because it took them until 2019 to make a game where you could jump and swim. <laughs> well, it also <laughs> makes more sense for the type of, like yeah. the story that it's going with. Yeah. Um, this The couple of the things that it got rid of, it, it didn't have the stat leveling system that the other games had. Instead, it was a skill tree leveling system. So you didn't level up like number based. You were like, oh, I want that ability. Oh, no, I want that ability, which changed things up. And also had more of an emphasis on stealth rather than just attacking like to, to, to whittle down a character's health. You stealth around the environment and could like perform like takedown attacks. Right. But also uh, the combat relied more on trying to break an enemy's posture than to actually just outright downright kill them, which you would try to push them to the point where they would stagger. And then you could go in with like a killing blow, mm-hmm. which was different from any other game. Cause normally it was like, let me just poke this big old beast until it died and turn it into, let me see if I could like, strategize my combat more and literally make them so off kilter with my attack patterns that they leave it opening open. So I can come in and death blow them. Finish them. Basically. And another thing that made it a little different was the inclusion of the ability of being revived on the spot instead of being killed and brought back to a checkpoint. You could be in mid-battle, die, and get brought back right then and there. And then that was the idea of the Shadows Die Twice. Right. I side of Sekiro, colon, Shadows Die Twice. <laughs> um, and it just added a little level of like, I think they, they made the games more difficult. So they wanted to sort of balance a little bit. Yeah. And that was one of the ways they tried to balance it was allowing you to like come back right away. But then again, if you died the second time... Then you died for good. Right. Um, the most, probably the most uh, 
most different of the things that they did in this game was they gave the main character like he wasn't a customizable character he was Sekiro Hmm. Uh, and the game itself follows a shinobi who's known as Wolf that's what they call him in the game and it's uh, he his journey as he attempts to take revenge on a samurai clan who attacked him and kidnapped his lord and fictional Japan was used uh as a backdrop during the Sengoku period hmm. for this this game. So it's also stylistically the most different. It's a samurai story and not just a dark or gothic horror fantasy right. setting. Um, and then the most recent game that I wanted to talk about, which I know you have the most insight into, yeah. is Elden Ring. Yay. Released a couple months ago. Like a month ago. Yeah. In February. Right. This year, 2022. And I literally wrote in my notes, so good. <laughs> <laughs> it combines the best parts of all these games for all the right reasons. Right. Elden Ring takes place in the Lands Between, which is the name of the, the world you traverse. The Lands Between. Sometime after the destruction of the titular Elden Ring and the scattering of its shards, which are called the Great Rooms. And once... Graced by the ring and the Erd tree, which symbolizes its presence, the realm is now ruled over by the demigod offspring of Queen Marika, the Eternal, each possessing a shard of the ring that corrupts and taints them with power. As Tarnished, the name of the beings that are in this world, like the NPC is a Tarnished. Right. Um, they are exiles from the lands between who lost their ring's grace and are summoned back after the shattering. Players must traverse the realm's to ultimately find all the great runes, restore the Elden Ring, and become an Elden Lord. Hmm. And fun fact, for those who don't know much about this game or know too much about the behind the scenes, it was co-written with Miyazaki by Game of Thrones author George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. Which I think I feel a lot of that with like the... There's a lot of like feels that I get from that. Feels? Like I just like... I think because it focuses more on medieval fantasy than dark fantasy. Like Dark Souls felt very grim all the time. There's right. a little bit more of like the medieval side of fantasy that feels more like Camelot to it. Yeah. Um, and that's where I kind of feel the George R. R. Martin of it. Right. Just based on like the Lord's Ladies kind of vibe. And there's like one of the places you can go to is the Round Table Hold, which yeah feels very... Like Camelot, right? More Tudor than Dark Ages, right? Not that the, not that this game is Tudor style in any way. No, but it just has like it has a more of a vibe. I feel yeah. like there's a lot less doom and gloom about it. It's a whole lot brighter. Yeah, it's a like the whole so game gorgeous. like call like visually is brighter. Oh yeah, and even that like the like the these Erd tree that they call them right are these giant glowing trees that you see from like like there's one massive one. Right as you and you start the game officially, once you get through all the tutorial stuff, right? You open these big, big doors. You see this big like grass plain, and there's this just giant, massive, huge, glowing tree in the distance, which is just such a cool visual. Yeah, it was a very cool game. Just the way to way to open up the game. <laughs> it was. I mean, I was a little unsure. I'd gone into this game blind. I'm still playing it as of right now, and. I was skeptical to think it was going to be better than any of the games. I thought it was going to be as good. It is the best of these games, in my opinion. Yeah. 
probably I, if if I start playing any of these games, it'll probably be the one that I yeah, do. Yeah, it's funny. I was just this morning watching the uh, the girlfriend's reviews right. of this game because they they do all these fun games, and it was ended up being a boyfriend's reviews because Shelby wanted to play through it herself mm. before Matt could. So Shelby was having so much fun, and she's someone who has hated the other games in this collection of games and literally matt said in his whole side of things like if you like if your significant other has never played one of these games before this should be the game they start with yeah because it does it's the most accessible it has more of an of an open world than any of the games well and if they fix a lot of the problems that you have in some of the other games well it's still difficult right it's not not difficult anymore it's just that they because they allowed it to be so open world, you can do so much more exploring and get yourself to a point where your character is better situated for the stuff that is considered early game right. st- like stuff. So you feel like you can, even if you have a hard time with the boss, like I've had some bosses that have wrecked me over and over again that I had to leave and go to another area to like farm or to explore and then come back to finish the job. And that's, right. that alone makes it easier to deal with. And they finally allowed fast traveling that didn't require you to have to sit at one of the bonfires. Yeah. And there are they finally listened to people who who were saying that the games were too difficult and added more. I'm saying bonfires. They're not called bonfires, but that's how. Points of grace. Points of sites of grace. Sites of grace. Um but there's more of them and they're more literally sometimes right on top of each I other. I know. I was joking. There's, there's three in the span of like this one little like staircase that doesn't, <laughs> where make... nothing happened. Well, one of them showed up after you beat one of the, the first big bosses of the game and it shows up after you defeat him. But then there's one right before you battle him. And there's one right after the place where you battle him. And that those that distance between where the one before and after are is maybe like thirty feet. Yeah, <laughs> it's some ridiculously short amount of of distance. And then they put another one, a third one, in the middle of those two. So sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like there's there's a lot here. Well, but hey, I would rather too much than not enough. And sometimes these games are like. Un, like unrelenting in how little they help you out with those things. Right. And it's nice. They, they, one of the biggest things that people had gripes about, and I think true fans will say that it's, 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 you know, the game pandering too much to people who call these games too difficult, but everyone else will consider it a, a quality of life improvement is they put the, the checkpoints closer to the boss arenas which used to be like if you died you didn't have to trug back through all of the enemies you had killed to get there the first time and you're at risk of dying along the way again right which made people really frustrated in the old games yeah now they put i'm like i'm at um one of the big bosses right now and they literally just have to if i die i get out from the checkpoint go around the corner and that's where i fight him yeah like it's like a like 10 feet away from where the checkpoint is, is where his boss room is. And I like that. Yeah. 
I appreciate it. I, I like that they, they, they give you a horse in this game. There's horseback combat, which is the first time it's ever been done. Yeah. Our good boy Torrent. It's the name of the horse you guys named Torrent. Yeah. He's a good boy and he's very precious. <laughs> and he can double jump. Wow. He can jump in the air. Wow. He's a magical spirit horse and I love him so much. <laughs> um but yeah, everyone should go play Elden Ring. It's really great. Go play it right now. Do it right now. Right now. Right now. Stop listening. Go no, don't stop listening. Finish this episode and then go play. Um but the reason that I wanted to talk about these games and why I thought it'd be a good idea for the show is it is a collection of games that has literally spawned its own genre. Yeah. It created its own genre. I mean, it's considered an action RPG, but more than that, it the, the style of game has been influencing the industry since the very first game came out. There's a whole genre that are literally called Souls-like Souls-like games. Hmm. Games like the Souls games. Um, and some of these games I know you've heard and have not heard of. Mm. Um, but I'm going to go through this the, the names real quick and you can give me your insight on... I know one of these that you definitely know a lot more mm-hmm. than I even I know about it. Um, but there's a series called Neo, which is very... Like, it's nearly identical to Dark Souls. Okay. Um Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order has been called a combination of Uncharted and Dark Souls. Yeah. yeah. Um, Code Vein, which has literally been called Dark Souls, but make it anime. Okay. Uh, Remnant from the Ashes, which has been called Dark Souls, but with guns. Okay. A game called Blasphemous, which is Dark Souls, but... Metroidvania, which is like the style of Metroid slash Castlevania games where it's the 2D jumping platformer games. Right. Hollow Knight, which is similar in that same regard, is considered a Dark Souls Metroidvania game. Mm-hmm. And a game I know you have enjoyed personally on your own without me, and I have no idea really what the game is except for what I've seen you play. It's a game called Death's Door. Yeah. I mostly included that for you. Yeah. Yeah, that one was a fun. That one was a fun game. It was difficult. Yeah. It was really hard. <laughs> it was just. Well, I even remember watching you play a little bit of it, especially when you got to the bosses. And I literally, I all I could think of is, oh look, another Dark Souls like game. That's literally what I thought when I and and then when I looked at the game, there it was a Souls like game. A Souls like. It's always a Souls like. Yeah. Um, and there are so many more of these kinds of games. I only put on a few that I had knew of in some regard. Right. Um, but the the idea of the Dark Souls inf- impact and, and all of the, these games, but Dark Souls is the one that people pull out because it's the biggest name on this on on this collection because there's right. multiple of them. But that term, especially when you're listening to like video game reviews, has turned into its own adjective. Right. People say this game is the Dark Souls of blank. You literally did it. You literally just did it. But that's what I mean. Like that's yeah. that's not me. That wasn't me saying it. Like like that's literally what reviewers call it. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm emphasizing your point. Yeah. Like it's it's become a standard in the industry, and so it's similar to like when people call a game like like a it's like Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild itself has also become one of those games that has its own genre like it's it right. 
influenced so much that games have literally copied it and people just say it's legend of zelda it's it's breath of the wild it's they right it's kind of funny i've um one of the youtubers i watch occasionally is video game donkey yeah and he did a whole video on like video game originality and the video wasn't him talking it was literally just a compilation of reviewers reviewing games using those exact words about other games right they're like it's like a combination of dark souls and devil may cry it's like breath of the wild meets uncharted and it's like just this long compilation of literally how all these games that are coming out soon are only being compared to all the other games that are already out right and that's like it's a little bit unfortunate that way because it does seem like no one can make their own game anymore like it feels like they're always just trying to grasp at the stuff that's already out there but it's also funny to think like how many of these games are just for the video game fans a like a staple uh in, in these in these communities right um but i mean not to say i'm i hope i don't even come across as saying that any of these games being dark souls like or souls like it's not an insult it's just it tells you a lot more than yeah if you were to try to use your own words it's a descriptor um but even though a lot of these games are, are considered very good so it's not a bad thing to be con- con- compared to dark souls it's just yeah one more thing that allows people to kind of get what your game is about without having to dive too deep. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of all I have planned for our episode today. Cause I want people to go out and play these games for themselves. Yeah. They're do it. Really good. Especially Elden Ring. Go play Elden Ring. Yeah. I know I'm going to. Yeah. I have to finish playing it myself, which will probably take me a while because I'm slow at these games. I like to savor the flavor savor or completely throw them out sometimes you get quite frustrated yes i may occasionally (laughs) that's what these games do to me babe i know sometimes from the other room i can hear you scream out extremities yeah these well that's the thing is these games can piss you off but then there's like a drive to you to be like that fucker's not getting away with this yeah, I'm. I'm not letting that guy get the better of me. And then when you beat them, you're like, ah, "Oh my god!" That I have heard. I know. <laughs> that one because of Margaret. Yeah. Fuck Margaret. You, 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 you. <laughs> it's a good feeling. I know. The serotonin burst is real nice. Yeah. But it's time to say our thank yous. Thank you guys for listening to our show. Yes. And thank you to Daryl Banner for the use of our theme music. Thanks, Daryl Banner, for the use of our theme music. Thank you to our all of our supporters, our Patreon members. Yeah. I know we still have stuff to do. Life has gotten real busy, y'all. Yeah. This episode's already coming out a week late because we got hella busy, y'all. But yeah. we still want to try to put stuff on our Patreon that's Patreon exclusive. And we're still working on how to do that. Yep. But you can still, if you like us, help us support the show by just giving us a little bit extra boost. Boost it. Um, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cultured. Yeah. And we have only like two tiers, which is fine. We're not asking for a lot. We're just, stuff helps. 
helps us do the show. It helps us keep going. Right. We got to upgrade our audio equipment recently, which was helpful. Yeah. So uh, thank you to everybody who has supported so we can do that. Yeah. Also, if you can't support us financially, which is, again, totally understandable, then share us with your friends. Get us out there. If yeah. you know someone who might be interested in the dumb stuff we talk about on the show, go share it with them. Share, review, rate us. Yeah. Do everything. All that stuff. All this stuffs. Um, and if you like half of the people on this show that aren't me speaking, who is Brian, then you can <laughs> listen to Steven, his other show. The Composer Chronicles. Composer Chronicles, which is a lot more uh, universally acclaimed than our show is at the <laughs> moment. Just for now. But um, that podcast is currently on a little bit of a break right now. Um, this This month of March, I have been focused on narrating and producing an audiobook, which is partially another reason why this episode of uh, Culture But Not Really is late, because I have not had any time to do anything else. I get home from work, and I go into my closet, and I record one or two chapters, and then that is my life right now. It's very ironic you go into the closet to read what's basically gay porn. <laughs> It's gay romance, not porn, but it's just funny. I mean, either way. Um, the reason he goes into the closet is because it's quieter in there. It's so quiet. It's it's it's, it's, it's just natural sound dampening without having to put anything up. I just wanted to clarify. It sounded kind of weird that you just go into the closet and start reading to yourself. I mean, anyway. Anyway. So... That's the reason. Uh, there's stuff that I have planned coming up on the Composer Chronicles. We have stuff planned on coming up here. There's also like so many episodes of the Composer Chronicles you can listen to. If you literally, to it yet, so. literally so many, so many. But um, that is it for this week. I am your host Brian Edwards, and I'm your other host Stevie Chigar. And now we ask you, listener, are you feeling really culture today? Yeah. Praise the sun. Bye. Bye. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.